0: Welcome welcome to Commas. Commas is all things tech. Culture and technology coming together. Life hacks. The practicality right now in the inefficiency of the internet of buying and selling stuff is extraordinary. Entrepreneurship advice. I think the first thing is you got to understand your business inside out. Love and tech. We've almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person. It's going to be a fire show. I have yet to see something these days that's truly differentiated. New advice and new inspiration every show. It really is about the next generation of creators going faster further than we did. And now, Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. On today's episode, I've decided to pull together some best of moments because there's definitely some entrepreneurial advice that you might have missed and you guys need this to succeed let's get into it entrepreneurship advice (laughs) learn from the hottest and most successful investors founders and innovators in the game determine your greatness it's time to get your knowledge up okay okay for sure for sure in my previous conversation, I spoke about influencer marketing versus the startup entrepreneurship culture and how they're two totally different entities. And I tabled the influencer marketing conversation. now I want to pick that back up. So some... Of you are interested in building a business around your personal brand, i.e. yourself. And this is when influencer marketing actually becomes a thing. So first, I'm going to give you some specific tips on what you need to do in order to become a successful influencer marketer. And secondly, I'm going to talk about the best ways to approach brands to get them interested in spending money with you. So first things first, let's talk about what exactly an influencer marketer is. And a lot of the times people feel like, okay, brands will come to me and they're like, hey, we want to pay you in order to market our product or service. But it's a little bit deeper than that, right? They're really just interested in you because they feel like you have a very specific niche that they want to connect their audience to. So what you want to do first and foremost is you want to build a theme around your content so you want to make sure that whatever it is is authentic to you and that theme is very much in association with what brands could relate to so for example if your theme is beauty then you're doing a lot of beauty videos a lot of informational um, videos and tutorials you're doing a lot of things that would actually make them feel that you have the target demographic so essentially I would say this, you're not necessarily making content for brands in the beginning, you're making them for yourself. So whatever that authentic voice that you have, and that you're passionate about, that's what you're creating your content around. So if that is beauty, then you're doing, like I said, makeup tutorials, or you're doing different explanations on different beauty products. And essentially, what will happen is brands will start to take notice, especially when your audience starts to grow. So make sure that you have a very specific niche so that they understand very clearly what vertical you're in and it doesn't get confusing to them right so secondly choose a social media platform that is your main focus so again if you're into beauty you're into natural hair you're into tech it depends on what that is and where that content specifically lives so a lot of the times a lot of visual brands you'll see on Instagram, a lot of business type of brands you'll see on LinkedIn, a lot of advertising marketers, digital marketers you'll see on Facebook. So make sure you specify what specific platform makes the most sense for you and then from there start to grow your audience on that specific platform because what happens is when you put your audience in a whole bunch of different places, you end up spreading yourself completely thin and you don't get the type of numbers that these marketers PR companies the marketing agencies within the brand would be looking for right so you want to make sure that you've established enough of a following for them to feel like if they give you money it's going to make an impact from there you want to create a consistent content schedule so essentially what happens is you map out when your content goes out there are tools for this like an um later just different tools that you can utilize in order to place your instagram content if it's instagram hootsuite does Facebook. Um, I believe they do LinkedIn as well. So you want to create a content schedule. So people will look for your content on a consistent basis. And that schedule will consist of days and times that you're going to post. And also, if you're going to use a tool like an um, or a later or, or what have you, they will actually suggest times that you post as well. So it's super helpful. And the next thing I would say is definitely focus on quality over quantity. A lot of people think I'm gonna post every single day right and that doesn't necessarily result in the quality of content that the brands may be looking for so make sure your content is sharp it's in focus make sure there's not a lot of clutter make sure that it's clearly and very specific about what you're trying to showcase in the content if it's an outfit make sure the background is either blurred out or on a backdrop that feels very seamless Because what happens is you want to be able to attract the attention of the brand to what their potential products will look like on your page. So if they're looking, you know, and going through everything and they're like, eh, it's too busy, it's not coordinated enough, it's not clear enough, the content's not good, people aren't responding to the content, these are all things that they're going to look for, right? So make sure that you're consistent and cohesive with the quality and not just the timing of the post or anything like that. You want to make sure that if that means you're posting less, like maybe you're posting two times a week versus five times a week, then you would do that. And you would make sure that you're getting the quality versus the quantity. Additionally, engage with your followers every single day. So even if you don't post content every single day, you still want to engage with those followers every day, right? And that means making sure that you acknowledge that they liked your content, making sure you go back to comment on their stuff making sure that you comment when they or respond to their comments when they actually do comment, right? A lot of people feel like social media is very robotic and they treat it that way, but it's a social space, right? So treat it like that. If you went and you were trying to broker a relationship with the person, you wouldn't just be like, oh, hey, and like not say anything else, right? You want to have conversations. You want to make those conversations fluid and cohesive. You want to make sure that there is actually a build going into that and not necessarily just you trying to get them to engage with your content, right? So definitely engage with them as well. Next, I would definitely say leverage cross-promoting to reach new followers. And what I mean by that is reach out to similar influencers that are in your niche and ask if you guys can collab. So essentially, I'll do a post for you and you'll do a post for me and we will have access to each other's audiences. And that could be through IG stories, that could be on Facebook, that could be I don't necessarily see that happening a lot on Twitter but if you can figure out a way to do that on Twitter sure so I would definitely say reach out to different influencers in your niche and see if you can collaborate with them So the cool thing about cross-promoting is it requires no investment, and it enables you to gain a credible introduction to new audiences on social media, which is something that sometimes you would have to pay for. So if you guys are equally yoked in terms of your numbers, then it could be a great collaboration and beneficial for the both of you. And what I mean when I say equally yoked is don't go for somebody who has a million followers if you only have a 100,000. Don't go for somebody who has 10,000 followers if you only have 2000 Make sure that you're equal across the playing field because then it seems like a fair exchange versus you trying to basically benefit off of their audience and they're not getting the same value in return. Another thing is once brands start to pay attention, because they will, once you're starting to grow your numbers, you make your niche very clear, you will actually start to get some of these brands hitting you up in your DMs, sliding in DMs, And the thing is, don't take every single sponsorship that comes to you, right? I'm obviously tech, you know, entrepreneurship. That's a conversation that I have on my Instagram. And I've done a lot of marketing, social media marketing, influencer marketing. And I had a brand slide into my DMs and ask me if I wanted to do a wine. Like it was like a bag that like poured like a a purse like a handbag like a female handbag that actually poured wine so it like stored wine which is an interesting concept i thought it was really dope but i don't drink so i'm like you know like i could get the pay day off of this or i could just be like listen guys like this ain't my my right so just be mindful like when you start getting these brands and these brands are asking you to do certain things understand that you don't have to take everything you can be very selective about what you take and the more selective that you are the more that your audience is going to respect you because your audience isn't stupid like they know when you are trying to level up and just feed them something that's coming through a paycheck they're very clear about that I mean not to mention that you have to put hashtag ad on it so it's not that much of a guessing game, but they're going to know that it doesn't relate to them and then you're not going to get the engagement and then the brand's going to be upset in the end. So just be mindful of that and make sure you're sticking to what's authentic to you. So just as brands are becoming more savvy and selective about influencers, you get to choose who you work with as well. So I kind of hinted on this earlier, but speak with an authentic voice. Make sure that you are speaking in your true voice that's authentic to you. One thing is for sure, people connect to authenticity. Be vulnerable about whatever it is. So if it's something that has to do with beauty, if you got a massive tangle, like be vulnerable about what that did and how you took it out, right? So like if it's something like on my end has to do with tech, like I always talk about my failures because I think it's super important to acknowledge those and like how I got through that, and so just make sure that your audience is connecting to your authenticity, and you're not trying to be somebody that you're not. Because again, the audience can spot a BSer. They're very clear about what they should and shouldn't be paying attention to. And on top of that, it's keeping you credible and trustworthy, right? So you want to always keep your audience trust. You want to always keep your the sponsors trust. And, you know, you have to do that through authenticity. So next, I would also say, and we touched upon this earlier as well, too, but just be consistent at all times. So not just being consistent with the times that you post and not just being consistent with the quality of work that you post, but be consistent with all. All of it. Right. Because people are going to be used to seeing something come out and all of a sudden they just don't see it anymore. And it's like out of sight, out of mind. And so if you're not consistent, it's very easy for you to be forgotten. So try to be as consistent as possible And the way that you can do that. I said it earlier is to schedule your posts and make sure that if you're out of town, you batch create content and you schedule that content out. So what batch creating means is you create basically five to ten pieces of content and then you schedule all of that content out. And so then you free up your time for the rest of the week to do whatever it is that you need to do. Or if you're on vacation or if you get sick or what have you, you still have these pieces of content that you can push out. So that would definitely be one of the things that I would say is super important. So that's that. Okay, so let's jump into the best way to approach brands when you're ready and you feel absolutely comfortable. So first things first, understand that it is not about you. It's all about them connecting their product or service to your audience. And you're literally just the middleman delivering the message, right? So don't make it about you. Don't say, these are the things that I feel like are going to benefit me. And I know that, you know, that seems very like a given, but a lot of people do that. They pitch a brand and they're like, yeah, I really feel like this will benefit me because I use this product consistently. It's like, they don't care. Like they want to know how it benefits their audience or how it benefits your audience because ultimately they want to convert your audience to their customers right so basically what you want to do is think of these things when you go into pitch so here are some questions that you can ask them when you're ready to pitch are there any aspects of their reputation that they think would be interesting to enhance so is there something that they've heard out in the social media hemisphere that they feel like by connecting with your audience that they can actually benefit from so for example they feel like there isn't a ton of diversity within their company and they know that you are talking about tech and you have a very diverse audience, they may come to you and be like, hey, can you do a 30 second spot that talks about Google and diversity, right? If they're trying to connect back to getting more diversity with on their campus or within their ecosystem. And so those are some things that you can talk about. You can say, hey, my audience is this and this. They're millennials between the age of this and this. They consist of this demographic. And I really feel like by you tapping into my audience, you'll be able to hit those diversity numbers that you're trying to hit. So that's an example of an asset of their reputation that they are trying to enhance, right? And so also you can ask, are there any key messages about their company that they want to urgently communicate. A lot of the times when businesses try to bring influencers on, it could be because they just launched a new campaign and they're like we really believe that you represent that demographic for the campaign and we want people to know that we target this type of person, right? So maybe they want to communicate their new products, their mission, initiatives to new markets that they haven't tapped into before and that goes back to kind of tying into what I was speaking about, number one. But also, maybe Maybe there's a very specific like product launch that they really think that you would be a great face for as like a brand ambassador. Right. So, again, think about the key messages that they're trying to target and ask them what they want to communicate. And then you can kind of get an idea of where they are. And this seeps into number three, which is. In terms of brand images, what are their specific products that they're trying to position? Are there any aggressive sales goals that they're trying to make? And so if that's the case, maybe you shoot a spec commercial for them. So once you know the answers to this, maybe you do a 30-second spot, a one-minute spot, hitting these goals and metrics that they've talked about, right? And what a spec commercial is, is essentially it's saying, hey, here's a 30-second spot, here's a minute spot that is not going to cost you any money, like the brand, and you're doing it for free because you want to create and establish the relationship and get the credibility So essentially, within that spec commercial, you start to gather their trust. You get to relate back to the brand. They get to see what you would actually look like associating with their brand. And you can even ask your potential audience to comment and tag a friend or tag other people so that you're actually driving traffic and they can see that you're actually a credible source that can drive traffic for their brand. So don't be afraid to do things for free. I know a lot of us are looking for the bag, but sometimes you can't secure the bag if you don't have the tools to secure the bag with right so make sure that you are creating content that they're going to be excited about and that content can potentially turn into the bag So lastly, don't get discouraged if you pitch and they turn you down. So many times people are trying to pitch and there are so many different variations and reasons why your pitch didn't go through. And that's fine. You just continue to pitch, stay consistent and be persistent and eventually you'll get that shot. So I'm going to take you guys through a journey of what it's like to get propositioned by a brand. Or a corporation in terms of marketing, influencer marketing for them. So I'm signed to an agency. So what happens is the brand will reach out with the RFP. So they'll essentially say, we're looking for influencers who do this, that, and the third, right? The agency will come to those influencers that they think meet that demographic. And then essentially what will happen is the agency will submit them back to the corporation or brand. So if the brand is interested, they'll reach out and say, this is specifically what I need from that influencer. And they'll give you a breakdown. So they'll say, I need a 30-second spot within their feed. I need a 15-second spot within their IG stories. This is how much I'm going to pay for that. This is how much I'm going to pay for that, right? And so once that happens, then you do the work You tag and write exactly, and I mean exactly, what they want you to write. You do not delineate from that. And you turn it in. Now, here's where it gets interesting because a lot of people have pumped their Instagrams with numbers from bots and all these things, right? Corporations want to see the metrics, They're not just going to pay you. And if they do, I mean, hey, good for you. But they're not just going to pay you and expect the best. They want to see exactly what type of metrics you've delivered. They're going to ask you to screen grab your insights. And they're going to want to see how many hits you got, what type of interactions you had, what type of discovery you had, what type of impressions you had, how those people got to those impressions. So did they go through your stories that they go through your feed? They want all the data because they want to make sure that they're getting a return on their investment. So don't think you're slick by pumping your account full of bots, because when it comes down to it, you will get caught. Like it's, it's inevitable, right? So just make sure you're completely honest about your account and what type of numbers you have. A lot of, people will hire micro influencers which means they're in a very specific niche and that is totally fine for them and those people have between 5 and 10,000 followers but they're so niched down that the marketer or the corporation knows that they're going to get the return on their investment because those are exactly the people that they want to talk to. So sometimes those accounts with a million to two million followers are just too broad. So it definitely depends on who the company is and don't feel overwhelmed if you don't feel like you fit the demographic of what a stereotypical quote-unquote influencer is right so those are some tips for you guys if you're interested in influencer marketing and positioning yourself as a brand a lot of us going through our entrepreneurial journeys we expect things to happen in our time and that's just not how the world works when i was directing commercial music videos i had the worst patience on the planet right i would literally hit labels up and be like hey where are we at? Even though I had an agent and a rep who should have been doing all of it anyway, like, I tried to circumvent the system. I'm like, where are we at? Like, have we booked? Are we not booking? Like, what's going on? To the point where I remember a woman from Universal Republic. She was the commissioner. And she literally, there was a video that I wanted to book really, really bad. And I hit her up and I was like, hey, you know, it had actually awarded. And I wasn't aware that it had awarded And then when it didn't award to me, then I was like, well, why? Like, can you explain why that didn't like why I didn't get that video? And she was like so upset by this. And I didn't understand at the time, but I'm very clear about it now. She was so upset by this. And she literally hit my agent and the manager for the artist and was like, why is Sequoia acting like this? Like, why is she not, you know, being patient? And like, why is she being super overly like aggressive and like all these things? And I was just like, because I just want to know. And I didn't know it was a negative thing, you know, and I think as my career has gone on, I'm understanding very much so with any of these like creative jobs, entrepreneurship, especially if you're in the fundraising space. None of it has anything to do with one particular person. That person might be facilitating the deal or that person might be the person who is awarding the job. If you're, you know, obviously in the creative space, but there's so many chefs in the kitchen. There's so many people that you have to get a yes from in order for something to move forward. So, patience is an absolute virtue when it comes to entrepreneurship. I mean, this shows itself in everyday life, in relationships, everything, right? Like, when you're not patient and let things happen organically, and I can speak to this because I'm guilty of this too, things just don't happen the way that they're supposed to happen, right? And so, I really feel like having that patience and adapting that kind of mindset or adopting that kind of mindset will get you so much further than not being patient. Because when you're not patient, it comes off as super desperate, right? And nobody wants to interact with somebody that feels desperate. Like it lessens your value. It puts you in a situation where the other person sees you as a lot less valuable which, you know, obviously you don't want to be positioned as. and in addition to that, it just it makes your behavior erratic and aggressive, and like all these things that aren't positive attributes that you would necessarily want somebody somebody to see you as, right? And so I just think that going through the process of being an entrepreneur, we have to we have to understand patience. We have to adhere to our own values. And if it's something that is totally bothering you and you can't be patient and you're feeling all of these things, this anxiety, you're trying to push a deal forward, all of these things, just take your mind off of it. Go do something else. Focus on another part of the business. Focus on growing the revenue in the business. Focus on the customer base. Focus on creating relationships and partnerships outside of that You know, deal that you're waiting for. Just do something else, right? Because eventually the universe... when Alignment happens, we'll let you know when the situation is supposed to be what it is, right? But if you continuously knock, 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 then they're just not going to answer. They're just going to be like, you know what? I'm good, right? And they're just going to back away from the situation completely. So my advice to any entrepreneur who's out there who's trying to grow their business is just really be patient and understand the dynamics of the relationship. And it's not about just that one person, like I said earlier, it's a team effort. It's a lot of people making decisions. And once you understand that, then you're going to operate in a different space. So you don't want to operate in the space of scarcity. You always want to operate in a space where there's an abundance happening, right? So having that scarcity mindset is going to make you not patient. It's going to make you desperate. It's going to make you think that, you know, if you don't get this, you're not going to get the next thing, Right. Or you're going to always have just kind of this, I need to catch up. I need to catch up. I need to get to, you know, the next thing because it's not going to be there. It's just not a positive place to be. So I would say definitely understand that there's tons of abundance because there really is tons of abundance. Like, no joke. Like, when you understand how much abundance there actually is, it's insane. So understand that there's tons of abundance, lots of resources, resources. Everybody has an opportunity if you do the work and if everything is in alignment the way that it's supposed to be, the opportunity will present itself, just like Devin said in his story earlier. That was insane to me, that he took two years, two years to get that relationship with Tesla, right? And he has another relationship that's huge that he didn't talk about in the show, but I know personally what that relationship is. And that's a big deal, especially in Silicon Valley, especially from somebody coming from a city that we're from, Richmond, California, which is like a conversation all in itself. But for him to be in bed with this client is amazing. So practice patience, make sure that you're operating from a space of abundance and you will definitely get what you're looking for as an entrepreneur. All right, all you solo entrepreneurs, I have got the life hack for you. So you've heard of accountability partners, right? But have you heard of business accountability partners? So here's the thing. When you're a solo entrepreneur and you're just starting out, you are responsible for everything. You are literally doing social media marketing. You're doing digital marketing. You're doing customer service. You are ad ops. You're biz dev. Your sales. You're every single position. Right. So it's really easy to get super overwhelmed when you're in the process. But on top of that, it's really easy not to stay focused because you have so many things going on. So when you have an accountability partner, literally that person's there to make sure that you are checking off the boxes, right? So they're there to make sure that you're, one, on step to on par where you're supposed to be in terms of your goals and making sure that you're keeping track. They're there, in essence, to make sure that they are... Someone that you can bounce ideas off of because essentially when you're by yourself and you're creating a company, you're just building and you don't have anybody to kind of reference and you don't have anybody to kind of look at it and say, ah, that might not be the direction you want to go in. Or just to give you feedback and not necessarily judge what you're doing, but kind of to give you feedback and say, "Okay, maybe try this this way or maybe do this this way. And the cool thing is this person isn't necessarily a co-founder, so they don't have any equity percentage in the company, but they have an equity percentage in you, right? So they're sweat equity and they're investing their time and their energy to make sure that you accomplish all of your goals. When you're looking for an accountability partner, what you really want to do is make sure maybe that that person is working on a company as well. And it's not necessarily a one-sided relationship because the last thing somebody wants to do is be accountable to you and they're not getting anything in return for it. So make sure that maybe they're working on a business themselves. Maybe they had a business in the past and they're working on another business. You don't want to mix it up with a mentorship position because essentially then that person is kind of like overseeing what you're doing. Essentially, you guys want to be valuable to each other. So set a time every single week that you guys meet. You have a conversation about what you got done the previous week. Maybe some feedback on the goals that you guys set and then set a new set of goals and continue to do that throughout the entire week's process. And in some cases, people set their goals and then they'll work on whatever they need to work on for the hour that they're with their partner and then they'll go about doing something else. So for me, what I've found super effective is what we do is I'll have my accountability partner set her goals, I'll set my goals and then essentially we'll work on whatever that is during the week, then we'll come back to each other. We'll have a conversation and we'll say, okay, this is what we got done. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And we'll give each other feedback. So the cool thing about that is we're actually testing our own content and we're testing our own products and our own services. So we're both getting feedback and it's two sets of feedback. It's not necessarily just one. So you're actually moving twice as fast as you would be moving by yourself. So that's really, really cool. So definitely consider that if you're a solo entrepreneur, instead of having an actual co-founder and accountability partner can be a great replacement. This is the plug. You know who's the plug. It's time to get caught up on the hottest in tech. Keep it locked, you heard. With Sequoia Blodgett. I see you, little mama. There are constantly trends that are changing within industries and we have to keep abreast of the information because as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as founders, we need to know what's going on all the time, right? And originally when we built up commas, we had the idea of making sure that we were giving you information around marketing, sales, publicity, basically how to get your business off the ground. But as we grew and we iterated, we found that that just wasn't enough. So what we did in order to enhance the services is we have brought you guys the Commas Club. What the Commas Club is, is it's an entrepreneurship community and support system for founders. So think about it like this. When you start a business, you don't have a lot of capital and you go into it. Sometimes you have a co-founder, if you're lucky. Many times you're a solo founder and you go through this process trying to build this business and you end up being customer service. You end up being marketing. You end up being all of these titles which don't allow you to focus on the main title in order to grow the business which is the ceo so what we've done is we've given you guys that opportunity through our platform where you can enroll onto the site and essentially we are your team until you can afford to hire one if that sounds like you reach out to us at commasclub.com in order to keep the community exclusive and effective enrollment opens a few times a year so go ahead and join our wait list <laughs>